Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. And today I want to talk about a different kind of oil. I want to talk about the oil of the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, oil of the Spirit. The oil of the Spirit. Now, in the, in the scriptures, oil had a lot of purposes, right? A lot of purposes. In fact, it was considered a commodity. How many of you know what a commodity is? Now, when I was a kid, when I heard the word commodity, I thought of government cheese that was kind of like Velveeta, but it wasn't Velveeta. It was a cardboard-looking box that had black letters on it that said cheese. They didn't list the ingredients or anything. You really didn't know what you are getting, but it was cheese, and it was pretty good on some Doritos in the microwave or whatever. And so, and then we got powdered milk, Right, and we got powdered eggs. <laughs> Sounds so bad. They've done a. They do a lot better now. But I remember as a kid that we had to have these commodities. These they considered these things the essentials back then. And so we there are there are essentials now in scripture. Oil was a commodity. It was a essential that people had in their lives. We've been talking about how you had to have oil in your lamp, right? They used oil for lighting. They used oil for cooking, like just like we do in America. We do it a little bit different. They used a little bit of oil. We cook our things in the oil, not add the oil, which is it's better that way. And so we've improved on some of their techniques. And so thank God for French fries. Come on. Uh, and uh, so, man, I'm hungry right now. So come on, Lord. Get, get this pastor through this message. So we, we, they would use it for lighting. They would use it for cooking. And then they would also use oil as, as a healing agent. They would, put, they would medicate the oil, and they would use that oil to rub on sick people. If people were sick, they'd rub it on them. And James, it talks about that, anoint the sick with oil. He said, hey, go ahead and use some medicine. Right? Take some ibuprofen and also pray and believe God will heal the sick. And that's really what it's talking about. People have kind of over-spiritualized that. But really, it was a medicated balm. There's a, what's called the balm of Gilead, which is like the healing of a nation. So oil was used used in all these different ways. So oil was a commodity. It was very precious. So there was oil that was for common uses, like we've just talked about. And then there was an oil that was used for special uses, uncommon uses. And this is is referring to the oil that would be used in the temple that we would call anointing oil, right? Now oil, get this, oil is always in in the scripture can be symbolic with the spirit. We see two real clear pictures. Actually, there's, there's several. There's like four. But I'll give, you two, I'll give you two today. One is a dove, and one is olive oil, right? Olive oil, in the scripture, many times oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember Noah, the story of Noah? So when, Noah, when it's time for Noah to get off, off the ark, when God gives his promise, the way that Noah knows that, that it's time for him to move into God's neck, into the next thing is that God, he sends out a dove and the dove comes back with a olive branch. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that he brought back a dove with an olive branch, both things speaking of the spirit. And then he gives a rainbow. Remember how many know that God's spirit is, is a promise in your life. It is, God has promised to give you his Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said this. He, Jesus calls the gift of the Holy Spirit the gift of the Father. The greatest thing the Lord could ever give you outside of your salvation is the gift of the Spirit. And I would even suggest this. You've got to have the Spirit to get salvation. It's how the new covenant is sealed. So Exodus chapter 30. Y'all okay? Exodus chapter 30. There's some kind of crazy stuff in here I want to share with you. 
Exodus 30, 22 through 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of myrrh, 12 and a half pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a half pounds of fragrant calamus, and 12 and a half pounds of cassia, or cassia, however you want to say it. Um, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shackle, also get one gallon of olive oil. I can pronounce that pretty well. Like a skilled, he says this, like a skilled incense maker, blend those, these ingredients to make a holy, everybody say holy, holy anointing oil. So it's an oil that's holy. Come on. Um, use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all of its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering and all of its incense, and the wash basin, which is its stand. With, with its stand. Consecrate them and make them absolutely holy. Now that's kind of weird, right? Because when we think holy, we think make those things sinless. What he's saying is, listen, I want you to take all these things that are in the ark and I want you to put oil on that. What is that? How are you making them holy? Because you're setting them apart and you're saying they only are here for God's purpose. See, holiness is God's call for you you will sin less, but that is a result of your holiness. Your holiness is saying, I, am, I have a life that is set apart. I'm reserved for God. So these things were reserved for God. So he said, put oil all over them. I'm sure it was pretty greasy for a couple of years, but he put oil all over these things, consecrate them and make them holy. After this, check this out. Whoever touches them will also become holy. That's some potent oil. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrate them to serve me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing oil is reserved for me. How many know that when God anoints you, it's for him? It's not for you to shine. It's for him to shine through you. It's his glory that emits from you. From generation to generation, it must never be used to anoint anyone else. And you must never make a blend like it for yourself. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. The oil is holy. You must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend like it or anoints someone else other than the priest will be cut off from the community. Now, you, it won't take you very long to read through the book of Exodus and find out that God is very serious about things that he calls holy. When it's set apart, he's serious about it. He really wants it reserved for him. And, and, and typically what we do is we, we give God a little bit and we reserve some for ourselves. And he's saying, I want you completely. I want you to belong completely to me. Let's talk about the oil of the spirit today. First of all, the oil is applied for a purpose. God anoints you with oil. That means he applies the oil on you for a purpose. That word anoint is mashach. And excuse me like that. Yeah, mashach. I can do that a lot better than I can uh, cryo, which means to smear or rub with oil, to consecrate for office or religious service. So the oil, so to anoint doesn't mean a feeling. Right, that's what people do. We had a an awesome student ministry when we were youth pastored in El Paso for a long time, and we would go to events in the city, and we would usually get up on the front 
You guys remember this? If we went to an event, we were always be able to front. Well, I remember one time specifically, we went to an event, we couldn't get in on the front. Like, we were running late, I don't know why, and we were in El Paso, everybody's always late, but we were a little bit later than everybody else, which made us really late. We must have been like three hours late or something. So we, we, pull, we walk in, and there's only room at the back, and we're like, oh, man, you know, we got to worship at the back. And this woman comes up to me, who is with us, and she goes, I'm going to go up front where the anointing is. And I was like, okay. Gotcha. Go for it. Go get up there with the anointing. How many know that the anointing is no different than at the front of the room or on the stage than it is in the seat? The difference is, is are you going to tune into it? The difference is, are you going to get under what God is doing? I've been in services before <laughs> that, that the pastor has got up and, and would say things like this. The worship time has been powerful, but the anointing has lifted. Beloved, the anointing doesn't lift. The anointing never lifts because the anointing is not a feeling. To say the anointing lift is like it lifted is like saying that your purpose is lifted, that God has lifted his purpose. But we know that in the scripture it says that the, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That God can't, God can't unbless what he's already blessed. Come on. So the anointing doesn't lift, we lift. <laughs> Right, we left is what, what happened. So if the anointing lifted, it's because we left it. <laughs> so don't leave. Stay up under it. That's how we go after more oil. We just remain. We just remain. We just stay. So Christ, the name Christ means the anointed one. That's what his name means. Leslie had a, a teacher in high school that would refer to Jesus, Jesus' parents as Mary and Joseph Christ. <laughs> How many know that it wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ? Christ, Jesus is a very common name in those days, but the name Christ means the anointed one. So by calling Jesus Christ, you are saying Jesus is the Messiah. That's why it's so offensive to say for people to use Jesus Christ as a, as a cuss word because you're invoking the name of the anointed one for your frustration. Hopefully you're invoking, inviting his name. Come on, not you're using it to, to express frustration. So Jesus is the anointed one. Again, not his last name, Christ. It's his identity. It's who he is. This is what, this is what happens in Luke chapter 4. Verse 16 says, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he as usual went to the synagogue. I love that. Jesus as usual went, Jesus went to church. Jesus went to church. It says, and he was faithful to church. Look, he went as usual to the synagogue. So thank you for being faithful. You're following the steps of Jesus on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Now, now Isaiah, tons of prophecies in Isaiah about the coming Christ. So here's Jesus in the temple, Jesus of Nazareth. He unrolls the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus opens it up to Isaiah right here, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? Prosperity. Not prosperity like you think, not jets and hot tubs. Prosperity means more than enough. So good news to the poor is more than enough. But it's not just speaking of the financially poor. How many know that poor, poverty is a spirit. It's not a financial bracket, right? Because you, you can give someone that's poor financially 
$10 million, and in 10 years, they'll be broke again. Right? Poor, poor is a spirit. So Jesus came to break the spirit of poverty, deal way more than the financial implications. Good news to the poor. Good news. Gospel. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. The blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. Are you struggling with bondage? Are you struggling with addiction? Guess what? Jesus is anointed to set you free. You can be free. Are you sick? Are you in poverty? Jesus came to set you free. It's what he came for. He didn't come to leave you that way and love you that way. He does love you that way, but he didn't come to leave you that way. He loves you enough to transform you, to invade your situation, to bring his kingdom. It's who he is. It's what he does in this corner. (laughs) Come on. So he rolls up the scroll, and then he says this, the time of the Lord's favor has come. Other words, it's here. I'm fulfilling The word became flesh. Here it is. And at that time, the Lord's favor has come. So he rolled up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and sat down. Look what happens. All the eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently. (laughs) What just happened? Right? Everybody's freaking out. They're looking at Jesus. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Today it happens. Today the Messiah is here. Today the Christ. I am Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. I am here, and I'm here to bring the good news, and I'm here to set the captives free. This is what I'm here for. So the anointing is much more than a moment we feel in a service. We've, 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 we've kind of cheapened it to this mystical kind of thing. You were anointed. You weren't anointed to bring goosebumps. You're anointed to bring the kingdom. <laughs> Come on. We, we, look at, we look at people like, you know, favorite worship leader. Uh, Carrie Jove, she's so anointed. You know what? When people say that, I say, you're so anointed. Oh, when she says, it just does, but she's so anointed. Oh, T.D. Jakes, he's so anointed. Yeah, he is, but so are you. So when are you going to start functioning in what God set you aside to do so that when people look at you, they go, Dang, they're so anointed. He's so anointed to build houses. He's so anointed to work the stock market. You don't think God can't use that money? I guarantee you he will, and he would like to use you to get it. It's called partnership. And you're anointed to partner with God. So God's anointing is on you for, your pur- for his purpose for your life. God has anointed you really for his purposes. So get under that. You want to walk in the anointing? Walk in your assignment. Walk in your assignment. The second thing that we do, first of all, it's applied for a purpose. Number two, the oil equips us with power. Equips us with power. See, Jesus is the anointed one, but we as Christians are the anointed ones. I mean, he's the one. It's really all about him. But we are also Christians. Those that have placed faith in him, we are Christians. We are little Christ. Did you know that was an insult in Antioch when they came to the disciples and they were like, you're Christians. Kind of like today. But did you know that there is no greater title that you can hold than being a Christian, than being a little Christ, than being a little anointed one? We're just little anointed ones. We're just going around and laying hands on the sick, and they're getting well. We're just just like Jesus, doing what Jesus did. What are we anointed with? 
The Holy Spirit. What was Jesus anointed with? The Holy Spirit. Did you know, beloved, you have the same anointing that Jesus carried? The same anointing. There's only one anointing. There's just different manifestations of it. There's really only one smearing. There's only one oil. What is it on you to do? What is it on you to do? Listen, what was smeared upon Jesus was smeared upon you. God anointed, I love this, Acts chapter 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He smeared him with the oil. The Father smeared the Son with the oil. He smeared him, just put oil all over him. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good. And healing all, healing all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Are you oppressed by the devil? Jesus came to heal you all. But he also gave you the anointing to go and lay hands on sick people and then recover. Little Christ, one anointing. Went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Because God was in him. Because God had smeared his spirit on Jesus. And this is what it says in John chapter 14, verse 12. The disciples are talking to Jesus. He's like, listen, I'm going to go away. And it's good. I'm going away. They're like, no, Lord. We just want you. Would you just stay, Lord? If I, we, we just want you to stay here forever. He's like, but listen. If I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Spirit. And right now, it's just me doing all the work, and you guys are partnering a little bit. But if I go to the Father, the same smearing that's on me is going to be on you. And this is what he says. John 14, 12. Anyone who believes in me, do you believe in him? This is what it says. If you believe in him, you will do the same works. That means that you will lay hands on sick people, just like he commissioned us, Matthew 28. You will lay hands on sick people, and they'll get well. Guess how many people are going to get healed that you don't pray for? <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't know if it, have you, I don't know if anybody will get healed if I pray for them. Have you? I mean, 100% of the people that you don't pray for won't get healed. So maybe you'll pray for one this week. And Jesus commands... Matthew 28, heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel, the good news, the good news to the poor. It's a command, but he also gives us the power to fulfill the command. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works. Now, that doesn't mean greater like more powerful, right? We know that greater here, Jesus is speaking greater numerically. You'll do more than I did because there's more of you. But you have the same spirit because why? How? How? Why, Jesus? Because I'm going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many of you are a son and daughter of God? You'll prophesy. Jesus said it. You will prophesy. We'll continue next week a little bit talking about the body and gifts of the spirit and some of those things. Romans 8, 11. Same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. Did you know, dead, cold body Jesus, dead, completely dead Jesus, laying in a grave for three days, the Holy Spirit goes into his dead body and resurrects him. And it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the same spirit, beloved, you can get out of bed. 
You can get out of bed tomorrow. Depression won't hold you down tomorrow. The same spirit. I said the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you. It has power over any discouragement. It has power over any sickness. It has anything, power over anything you're stressed out about. Anything going on in your life. The same spirit that rose him from the dead is in you. I mean, that's intense. Let's embrace it. Let's get under the oil. I want it. We're going. We're believing. Number three. So equips us with power, applies, applied for purpose. Number three, it postures us for holiness. Holiness. Oh, we've all had a bad experience with that word, right? See, we like, we like the spirit part. We don't like the holy part too much, right? Holy spirit. Oh, spirit, yay. Holy, ah. Just take that word out. It's a little offensive to my flesh. Your flesh should be offended. It's good for your flesh to get offended. I love it. I don't love it, but I want to love it when my flesh gets offended, right? It's been offended some this past week. So uh, it just reminds me that I, God is working on me, which is awesome. Pruning. So one of the things with these priests in the temple is that God gave them a, them a specific directive that you can pour the oil on their head, but you're not to pour it on their body. It's going to get on their body, but it's got to start on their head. In other words, you don't pour it on their shoulders. You don't pour it in their hands. You pour it on their head, and it will flow down. What is it? I believe he's saying this. The oil is not for your flesh. There will be things that come along when the Holy Spirit shows up, right? Cool things. You're going to feel good. You're going to have chill bumps and goosebumps, Holy Ghost bumps. God's going to move you. You're going to laugh. You're going to, you're going to experience powerful things, supernatural things. I mean, it's supernatural. This thing is super. Some people are like, I, I, this just bothers me. It's, it's supernatural. It, it, it's, it's different. It should be a little weird to your normal nature, by the way, when the spirit moves. But it's not to appeal to your flesh. It will. There's nothing wrong with those things. But all those are manifestations. We're not chasing manifestations. We're chasing a man. And when we get him, cool things happen. And then at first we're like, well, that's weird. And then we're like, yeah, it's awesome. And then everybody's like, that's weird. You're like, well, just wait till it happens. Well, I don't know. I want no ghost inside of me, right? <laughs> but you do. <laughs> you got to taste and see. Okay. But let me suggest this to you. You were anointed to be holy. You were anointed to be set apart. And I, I came from a camp that was like, hey, if you want to have the anointing in your life, then you've got to pay a price for it. You ever heard that? If you want the anointing, you've got to pay a price. Listen, the anointing makes you holy. The anointing, you don't, you don't have to get holy to get it. You get him. See, we don't have to perform holy to have him. We are holy because of him. And because of that, and when you're holy, that starts expressing itself in the choices that you make, in the way that you live. And the way that you talk and the things that you post about, all that changes. Why? Because you're set apart. Because the anointing is on your life. And because the anointing is on your life, you behave differently. Don't get it backwards, beloved. Well, if I do all these things, then I'll have the anointing. That's called works. You don't get it by works. You get it by grace. It's the grace of God. He said, oh, I like you. I like them so much. Let me just pour a little oil on them. 
Now they'll be holy. Now they'll function better. How many of you know that things function better when they have oil? Right? You go, go empty the oil out of your car and drive around the block and see how that works for you. You won't get very far. The engine will lock up. What do you do when, you're, when the hinges on your door are squeaking? You oil them up. Put some WD-40 on there. Put some oil on there, some lubricant. Why? Because things function better when they're oiled up. Beloved, you will function better when you're oiled up. <laughs> and some of you have been functioning without oil for a long time. And no wonder you're dysfunctional. You need, you need the anointing to make better choices. I've got I to gotta make better choices to get the anointing. You've got it backwards. You get the anointing and you make better choices. You get him. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a him. But he does anoint. He does smear himself on you. The Lord does. Okay. That's what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Therefore, now, 2 Corinthians 6, this is cool. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is talking about our lives and how we live. And he says this. He makes a statement. He says, you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Y'all ever heard that before? He's like, keep yourself sexually pure because you're temples of the Holy Spirit. And he's comparing the body of Christ to, the, to a temple, like a physical temple. He's like, and you're the temple of God. God lives in you. He dwells in you. He says all this. And then he goes in to chapter 7. In my opinion, that verse should have belonged in chapter 6, but the translators chose to do it, put it in chapter 7. It says there, therefore, since we have these promises... Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. Come on. Anything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So because I have the promised spirit, because I am a temple of the Lord, I say, you know what? That's not welcome here. That does not belong in my life. I'm perfecting holiness in reverence of God. I'm saying, God, you're so holy. You're so powerful. Get this junk out of my life. I'm not earning it. It's because it's already in me, and I'm getting rid of everything that doesn't belong there, anything that contaminates. So it postures us for holiness. So it's applied for a purpose. It equips us with power. He postures us for holiness. And, and fourth of all, the fourth thing about the oil is this, is the oil is produced by process. Oil is produced by process. I got this oil here, and I just went to the store, and I bought it. But there was a process to get this oil in this jar, right? I love consumerism. I love that I, can, I, love that I don't have to do what the ancients did. I love that I can just go buy it. But oil, the oil that is in this jar was produced by process. Jesus right near the end of his earthly ministry. He takes his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he goes up to the Mount, get this, of Olives. This is right before his passion. He goes up to the Mount of Olives to a garden called Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. Gethsemane. In the garden of Gethsemane, now I'm saying it wrong. Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane means this, the olive press. On the Mount of Olives, in the olive press, Jesus prays right before his passion. Let me show you how this, what this looks like. So olives, 
are not like, when you go to the Olive Garden and you get those olives, those have been marinated. Right? Those have been soaked in something that's off. But olives in their natural state are very hard. And so what would happen is when they were ripe, is people would go out to these trees and they begin to hit the trees with branches. I mean, hit the, the trees with sticks, probably branches at one point. Begin to hit these trees. And as they hit the trees, the olives begin to fall, fall off. They gather the olives and then they take them to a mill, like an olive mill, like this. And because they're hard, again, they put them on this mill and they begin to crush them until they become a paste. They break down, they t- take the life out of these olives. Break them completely down. Then they take this paste and they, they put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a bag, like a, a burlap bag. Can we go back? Put it in a burlap bag and either stack burlap levels and then put the paste in between it or they put it in a burlap bag. And then they come and then they put a log on it and they put a rock on top of it and they just begin to apply weight and pressure and begin to crush. Are you tracking? They begin to crush this paste that the olives have been made to. They've been broken down. And as they begin to crush it, you can see the oil. We can go to that next one. The oil begins to come out. So it's a process. It takes time. It takes crushing. It takes pressure. So the old mindset says this. If you want the anointing, you got to be crushed. The mindset says, well, if you, if you want to have the Spirit of God on your life, you got to go through the pressure. Can I suggest to you today that Jesus, on a mountain called Olives, goes to Gethsemane, the garden where olives are pressed. And Jesus, the man, is crushed. Jesus, the man, is pressed, and the oil begins to come out of his life. Jesus dies. Jesus is crushed. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus ascends to the Father, and he does this. In Acts chapter 2, it says that he pours his spirit out. He pours his oil out on all flesh. We call this Pentecost. Jesus, the man who was crushed. Jesus, the man who was beaten. Jesus, the man that was pressured. With the priest, what they would do, they would start off pouring that oil on the head and it would flow down to the body. Beloved, how many know that Jesus is the head of his church? And his church is the body of Christ. And his oil, listen, beloved, his oil is pouring on our lives. He paid the price for you to have the oil. What do I got to do? You just got to get into Jesus. You just got to get into Jesus. You just got to yield to the Lord. Let me share one more scripture. Would you come up, babe? One more scripture. So you don't have to be crushed to have the oil. He was crushed so you could have it. So how do you get more? Look, 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. He's talking about false prophets. People are coming in with a false gospel, trying to, trying to deceive the disciples. And he says this. He says, as for you, the anointing you have received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. He's not saying you don't need teachers in your life. He's saying you don't need these people to teach you. They're teaching you something false. 
But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as you taught you, and then he, then he tells us right here, remain. Therefore, remain in him. Remain in him. How do we increase the oil of the spirit in our life? We just remain. We don't leave it. We just stay. We get intimate with the Lord and we stay in the Lord. We stay in his presence. We stay in communion. We stay in relationship. We don't bail when it gets difficult. We remain. We remain.